0: Scott. Yes, Adam. I dare you to jump through that rig of fire. It looks hot. Yeah. It's fire.
1: Coming to you almost live from the third ring of a three-ring circus, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We
0: are your clownish hosts. Goofy? No, that's Disney. Yep. Uh, we are your, you got it, clownish. <laughs> clownish. we we'll clownish.
1: Well, it helps that on this particular occasion we're wearing big floppy shoes and... Uh, bright red noses.
0: We didn't even plan that. It Grease just, paint. It just sort of happened. Yeah. It's just... Um,
1: children are running, screaming from us as we speak.
0: Uh, yeah, there's there were a pile of them standing outside of the studio or in this three-ring circus, and they uh, they all ran away. And rightly so. Yeah, because they're legally obligated to not be anywhere near us.
1: Uh, which is interesting. Uh, it's not that we're not allowed to be near kids, yeah, it's that kids are not allowed to be near us. Yeah,
0: we've filed a restraining order against all children because they are upsetting. <laughs> they they surround you and then they run away screaming. Yeah, we don't like it. It's very strange, it's no. really quite strange. Yeah. Uh, we've got a great show today. Um, we are going to be chatting with Randy Brzoski, the owner of Group of Rogues. He is a uh, man of many talents.
1: Oh my god, he's been uh, around Edmonton for many years doing
0: stuff <laughs> he is like the town bicycle in that he has been around <laughs> and done stuff but that is all yeah. that is the only resemblance to the town bicycle that he bears
1: uh, but uh, he's he's lived an interesting life he's done many interesting things he continues to do many interesting things and we decided to talk to him about some of
0: it yeah it was one of those uh and in fact you know we've we've had a few people say we'd really like to be on the unknown studio and when people say that to us our first question is well why but not just
1: that, uh, we also have like a backlog of people to put on the show, and uh, this happened to be one of those rare instances where he asked at just the right time, Yeah, and we had an opening, so we were just like, yeah, let's do
0: it. So we stuffed him through our opening, and we're going to be chatting with him later on. There that is correct, yeah. yes. Yeah, now I have to apologize. I uh, I am quite sick. Uh, which is a rare change because usually I'm the one who's
1: sick well, yeah. recording, and but, you're, you're
0: uh, the one who's always using your voice. So it seems like your voice gets is like the town bicycle. Yeah, yeah. My voice gets around. Yep, and in a sexual way, in a very sexual way. <laughs> it's quite disgusting. So, so I hope that you will be able to bear with me. I'll try not to uh, that and <laughs> into the microphone. That will be the one and only time. Uh, yeah. Now, um, the last few shows, we have we've joked about how we always talk about the weather, Edmonton being the kind of city that it is. And uh, the last show with uh, Adam McGale, we talked about, in fact, how warm it was. Yes. And how delightful and unseasonable the temperature was. And then since then,
1: the temperature has returned shockingly to form, and it is now uh cold again not bloody cold no i wouldn't say that it might feel a little colder than it actually is because we've been spoiled for the last few weeks our bodies have acclimatized a little bit to the more spring-like temperatures it's true and now that we're back down where we would normally expect the temperature to be for this time of year it just feels cold
0: we've been cheated out of a rare gift and we're mad as hell Now, one of the reasons that I want to talk about it, not just the fact that we're back to normal temperatures, is that as we're recording this show, there is a story on the Edmonton Journal's website that says that police are investigating a woman's death in West Edmonton uh, that may have resulted from her slipping on icy sidewalks.
1: Yes. Um, And I know for a fact that that was also reported on, on the radio today. On 630, Ched 9 News 880, name drop, name drop. Um, (laughs) If
0: you don't already listen to Scott on the radio, you uh, must, you must.
1: uh, But uh, yes, she, um, now, as of this recording, and and obviously more details may come to light by the time you you listen to the show after it's been published and and put up, um, police don't believe that it's suspicious in nature. They are investigating. They believe that she was walking down a city street Happened to misstep on some ice, fell, likely struck her head on the pavement and expired. Um, probably from the trauma. It's possible that she was lying there for some time and expired due to exposure to the elements. We don't know, but it seems likely to me it was probably the fall that killed her. Which is, and this is entirely speculation. And, and if
0: if that is indeed the case, well, regardless of the of the situation, uh, that it's terrible to hear. But it is a it is a brutal reminder to people out there to make sure to keep their sidewalks clear. Now, I know that that's difficult to do when we have the thaw and freeze.
1: It is also illegal not to do. You can get a $250 fine from the city for not uh, keeping your walkway clear of ice and snow. And it is, it is dangerous, not just to regular people, but I mean, think of your mailman. If nothing else,
0: if that person, person, if that, if that person shows up, which these days with Canada post, who knows, (laughs) but, but assuming they're doing their jobs, uh, they could fall and they could die
1: and you could die too. I mean, just not keeping your walkway clear of ice is dangerous to yourself as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I know that people get frustrated because the ice is so hard and it's hard to break through you could throw down a little bit of ice belt, a little bit of sand, and eventually you'll be able to start picking away at it. Just make it safe for your neighbors and for people uh, walking around in, in the area. Now, uh,
1: my mother and I both live in uh, condos, yeah. in condo complexes, like enclosed little areas. Um not the same one, obviously, but uh that we would both be horrific. had we both have had similar complaints uh just in the last week. Is that right? And that is that uh both her condo board and my condo board um have terrible contracts with whoever is doing our uh our snow clearing. Okay. Because uh all winter, all winter, and remember that uh Even before winter in November, when it was still technically fall, we had a tremendous amount of snow, and we had a tremendous amount of snow in December as well. Uh, My condo complex has been plowed exactly one time. Are you serious? In all of that time. And so there is now a, uh, uh, a lake, a frozen lake, where our road should be, and it is intolerable. But what can you do that's not that is the condo complex's responsibility and and more specifically whoever they're paying to come and do that well i hope and they have not and it is terrible and so of course it becomes even harder for me to keep just just my little walkway in my front leading up to my door which is my responsibility clear of ice because if it gets even just a little bit warm it starts to melt there's a tiny little dip between the road and my walkway And that just fills up with water it is the worst my mother's had a similar problem with uh whoever's responsible for clearing the ice and snow in her complex and i'm a little curious is that common in edmonton for condo complexes to only have someone come once a year to clear the snow and ice
0: you know it's it's a good question i mean I, i live in a building uh, downtown so we we have contractors i believe to come into our sidewalks and those are usually pretty clear we rarely do the parking lot maybe once or twice a winter but when when you get the the freeze thaw you have to do it like you can't not do it we were at a point there's a little um driveway that drives up into a surface lot behind our building and the ruts were so big the undercarriage of my car was you could hear it and and Normally, I don't give a shit about that kind of thing because, you know, it's snow. It's forgiving. But this is – we're talking about solid ice. I'm fairly certain. Well, especially after windrows begin to to pile up there. I didn't – you know, I, I never really thought that this would be a common discussion that we would have at the opening of every single one of our shows this year. But the weather has been so atypical Uh, in Edmonton and I think we said it on the last show atypical is going to become the new typical yeah you know the city budgeting for snow removal over the next decade is going to be a huge challenge yeah because conditions are changing well
1: and it might just be a matter of it's time for the city to explore new ways to clear snow I'm not certain what they are. I, I have no solution to propose other than heated roads, which I have proposed previously well, on, and the, you and on I, the podcast. You and I have
0: talked about a giant mirror reflecting the sun's rays yep. to, 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 uh, to make the snow melt. Get yep, flamethrowers. Yeah, we uh, um, hold platoons of people with flamethrowers. Yep.
1: Um, but it, in all seriousness, if plowing the streets and sanding the streets are not being effective— And if they are damaging our roads so that every spring they're just the surface of the moon to drive down some residential areas and whatnot, time and again, maybe it is time that we start to explore. There's your startup idea, Edmonton. Yeah. Someone needs to start exploring new ways to uh, effectively do snow removal because it's clearly an issue. You're going to make a boatload of money if you come up with a stellar idea. There you go.
0: Yeah, I'm giving it out for free, people. I think between that kind of business, like figuring out what the sweet spot for snow removal is in this new reality of climate, plus coming up with the right formula for uh, the components to put into pothole filler, between those two things, you've got two seasonal businesses that will make you a fucking millionaire. So whoever's out there who's thinking about, you know, roadways and all that kind of stuff, get on it. Because we can't wait much longer. No. It's, it's, <laughs> it's unten it's 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 a tenuous position that we're in as Edmontonians.
1: It's uh horrifying. It's terrible. And you know It's the worst. True it is it's the worst. It is that's I hate not it. that's not necessarily fair, but it is certainly the worst so
0: far. So far, yeah, it's true. And and you know, I'd like for I'd like for citizens of this city to have something new to complain about, something different to complain about. Something more substantive, you know, than, than
1: the snow, than
0: the snow and the potholes, and the potholes. I'm, I'm, I'm done with it, and I hope you are too. Now, uh, we've we've had kind of an unusual start to the season uh, for the podcasting season. I mean, we're we're on episode. Gee, is this five or six? It might be five. The internet will tell you. Yeah. But, you know, we it's it's been so confusing and so alarming that even Scott and I can't keep track of it.
1: And but, pre, as previously mentioned, we are planning to go long this season to make up for the late start.
0: We will go long. Uh, Hard and long. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're all about. And we're, you know, we're really excited um, about our next show. We're we're not just excited about this one, which includes a great chat with Randy Brzozki. But our next show... Is going to be falling after Valentine's Day. So we actually don't get to do a Valentine's episode this year, Scott. That's
1: true. Which is a... Uh, Kind of a first. We usually do a holiday-themed episode. We do. But there will be
0: no romance this year. It is an affront to St. Valentine himself. Yes. Yes.
1: I was gonna say driving the snakes out of Ireland, but that's St. Patrick. That is a completely different guy.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's something we can we can I do in St. Patrick's Day. Uh,
1: St. Valentine actually wrote love letters to the snakes in Ireland. Mm. And that's how he got them out. He lured them out with promises of love. That
0: is historical truth.
1: That that is correct. That you can is... if you look on Wikipedia tomorrow, <laughs> Scott's
0: furiously changing have, the
1: entry. We will have changed that. <laughs> and that makes it true.
0: That reminds me, just a, a quick aside, speaking of Wikipedia, um, I was looking at some of the people I follow on Tumblr yesterday. And the artist, Cisco, who did the thong song, according to his Wikipedia entry, which hasn't been updated, this particular thing hasn't been updated in two years, he lives in Edmonton. Really? <laughs> he doesn't. He, he, he does not live in Edmonton. If you go looking for Cisco and you find him here, it's not because he lives here. It's because he's slumming. But uh, for whatever reason, someone decided to change his Wikipedia entry to say that he lives in Edmonton. And nobody ever bothered to change it back. Nope, because, because no one looks at Cisco's Wikipedia Because he entry. is no longer relevant yeah. enough for anyone to care. How old oh. is the Thong song? That's like mid-2000s, right? Oh, I would go so far as say earlier than that. Here's a clip from the Thong song. Let me see that thong. <laughs> anyway uh what was i saying oh yeah so no valentine's day episode but i i was going to ask you uh are you and nita planning anything special for valentine's day do you care no about okay
1: but there is a reason for that tell me nita about it. and i actually uh started dating many years ago when the sun was warmer than it is now <laughs> and uh there was more oxygen in the atmosphere giant insects roamed uh, vast fields and and alighted upon the backs of dinosaurs.
0: And snow clearing was easier to forecast. Indeed.
1: Uh, what I'm saying is Nita and I dated for a very long time yes. before we actually got married. Uh, but when we first started dating, uh, it was shortly after Valentine's Day. And we always marked our dataversary um, with doing something. And because it fell so close to Valentine's Day, we just kind of rolled them into one. We never did anything for Valentine's Day because we were going to go and do something for our, for our dating anniversary. And we've just continued to do that. Now, even though we now have a wedding anniversary, which is in the fall, uh, we still do a, uh, a, an anniversary to do around Valentine's well, Day. Well, it's,
0: it's, you know, sort of, I don't want to say it's around the time when you met, because that's probably not true.
1: Oh, no, we knew each other for... Quite some time before we started dating.
0: But it's a significant milestone in the shacking up uh, sort of schedule for you guys. Well, indeed. And you
1: and Rachel do something to celebrate your anniversaries by the fact you are not married.
0: True. And and, to uh, celebrate
1: your commitment to one another.
0: Well, and Rachel and I, as some of you may know, we met online uh, through an online dating site called OKCupid. And we met, we started talking. Right around valentine's day now we didn't actually do anything uh around that time for a couple of reasons. I think both of us were sort of deferring our first meeting so that it wasn't around valentine's it's day just to avoid
1: the awkwardness that goes in with valentines and
0: day. it sort of felt like it would be kind of tacky, but in any event our our the you know the true meeting the true get together uh the first time Rachel and I hung out was at the beginning of March so March second so that's that's when we sort of that's when we celebrate. We don't really bother with Valentine's Day. Now, uh that
1: also kind of segues into uh a point about something we were talking about earlier, which is our odd podcasting schedule this season. Yes. Uh due to you and Rachel planning to go away and do Lovebird stuff. Yes. Uh over your your anniversary mm-hmm. um, we will actually do two back-to-back episodes. Our next episode and the episode after will be uh back to back. On subsequent weeks, rather yeah. than the usual two-week break, and then there will be a uh, a week off That's essentially, right. so yeah. that you can be away, and we don't have to worry about an episode.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, should we spoil what the topics will be for those two? I, uh, you know, why not? We okay. We let's have, let's build up a little bit of buzz. We've secured we've secured our guest for our next show. I'm very pleased to announce that we will be chatting it, with. It
1: is. A return guest. It is. If you go back in the annals of the unknown studio,
0: episode season one, episode episode two two
1: was the first time this esteemed guest first graced our doorstep.
0: And he has done some pretty interesting things since then, yes. So we'll be chatting with Mayor Don Iveson. He will be joining us on our next episode to talk about his
1: first 100 days in office.
0: Yeah, we want to know, you know, what some of the, uh, the challenges and successes have been. Uh, uh, if it's been different than what he expected
1: or exactly what he expected.
0: Yeah, and how he's getting along with council, and, and, and whether or not he's settled in to that enormous office that or, faces south towards the library. Or, not unlike Joe Bluth, has made a huge mistake. <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine it's somewhere in between those and two And
1: then lines. immediately following uh, Mayor Don Iveson, Uh, The following week, we will be returning to an unknown studio tradition. Yeah. Our ill-informed Oscar episode.
0: That is, in fact, what it will be titled. It's right. Where
1: we get together a bunch of movie nerds. Most of us have seen one or two of the Oscar-nominated films, (laughs) but certainly not all. No. And yet, go on to make our Oscar predictions, nonetheless.
0: We do this for a couple of reasons. One, it's to piss people off, because um, most people... Perhaps rightly believe that in order to comment on which Oscars you think or which movies you think deserve Oscars, you, you should have maybe to have seen, have seen, seen all yeah. of them. Uh, we're going to certainly try and do that. We have a few weeks. But, but Scott just told me The Wolf of Wall Street is three hours. It's a long movie. I don't really. That's, that's a commitment Adam just can't make right now. I don't know. We'll see. I am. I am going to try. I'm going to give it the old college try. I mean, he he has to choose between that and the Hobbit. Both three hour movies. I already saw the Hobbit. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> of course, I already saw the Hobbit. I only just recently saw the Hobbit. What finally. did you think?
1: Uh, it did not feel as padded as the first one.
0: I agree.
1: Um, it was it was better overall than the first one, but it also ended at a very weird place because. And this is this is hardly a spoiler because The Hobbit is a fifty year old book. Honestly, if, um, yeah. If you don't
0: know at this point, it, the answer is fuck you. the
1: uh, The movie ends just before what would be considered the climax of the book. Yeah. And I'll I'll be vague just to avoid any any serious spoilers. Um, but that means that the next movie is going to start with the climax of the book. And then that's the first maybe hour. And then the last two hours are Denouement? blank. Yeah. And so I'm very curious about, about that odd editing choice.
0: Starting with a climax. It's like me yeah. in junior high. It's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic. It's all downhill from here. Um I But yeah. anyway.
1: So yes, we will be doing our Oscar episode the week after, and uh we'll we'll have some guests lined up. We don't have we have a couple people penciled in, but we don't have anybody nailed down yet
0: they will pre- most likely they'll some of them will be unknown studio alumni oh yeah right sure. because w- there there are some people who also don't watch movies that like to talk about which ones should win oscars that we oh, like yeah. having on the show exactly it'll be great
1: uh and then we will have a short break yeah it'll uh, not not as long as our uh our holiday break or no, christmas no but,
0: uh, we'll be back in mid-march yes with with more unknown studio and as scott has repeatedly said we will go long
1: and hard. And hard. Into the into summer. Into the summer, yeah.
0: It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Yeah. So how's everything going? Now that we've covered all the shit we need to talk about. <laughs>
1: uh, well. Yeah? General status update. Uh, I am adequate. Life remains adequate. And uh, things are adequate.
0: I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, as everyone can tell, I'm sick. Yeah. I was, uh, I took a day in, I took a day off work last week and spent it in bed. And I'm finding for whatever reason I'm finding as I get older my I'm just less resilient to not getting sick
1: well i I get sick usually once a year around the holidays, and yeah. i was i f- I felt lucky this year that I got sick well before the holidays because usually I'm feeling run down and a little ill over christmas um so that was nice um this Actually, brings up a good uh, a good topic of conversation. Oh dear! Are you one of those people who tries to work through being sick? Do you usually take time on, off if you're not feeling well, or do you try to power through? And you're one of those people who just doesn't like to take a sick day.
0: It it really depends on what I have going on at work. Um, a lot of my job involves meeting with clients, so there's like this balance between being and and, and because uh, I work for what is basically a small company. Um, when you take time off, the work's just waiting for you, and it just keeps piling up. So so for me, there's there's gotta be this balance between you know, taking time off to, to be healthy and not going and making your clients and your colleagues sick, but also sort of tackling the workload. So what I'll typically do is take time off, but I, I've got a laptop that work gives me, and I'll work from home, which is not awesome, because really when I'm sick, I turn into a sniveling pile of goo, and I just want to—I just want my mommy. I'm one of those typical yep.
1: dudes. I—I'm pretty much the same. I become just a pathetic wretch, well, and, and, lying on the couch, begging for orange juice and pills and someone to change the channel for me so I don't have to move. And <laughs> exactly, it, it's pretty pathetic. And uh, Anita rightfully makes fun of
0: me. But for you, it. your job is such that you can't—you can't really go on the air sounding sick. No, and yet.
1: Um, I know I have many coworkers who do pride themselves on trying not to take sick days if they can help it and trying to work through being sick. Um, I always feel guilty calling in sick, but generally my belief is if I'm going to sound bad on the air or if there's a risk that I might make my coworkers sick, which would just make the situation worse, uh, then I will call in sick. And yet I always, always feel guilty. Like I always feel when I call that I've let someone down.
0: I I know how you feel.
1: By... How dare I get ill? How dare I? Gross. Yeah. You know, and, and yet I usually, and I usually wait until I'm pretty sick before I
0: call. Well, and the truth is, if no, I
1: feel a little down, yeah, I'll go in.
0: But. Yeah. And the truth is, no one, like, sure, no one's happy when someone's missing a day of work. It's, it's, And there could be any number of reasons for that. They were waiting on something from you, or you're not being there makes their them have to do all the much more exactly right. But at at the same time, I don't want you around coughing on me, and I don't want to get sick either.
1: Well, and I certainly don't want you getting worse because then you're going the time that you need to take off is going to be extended, right? Yeah, and especially because we're in the midst of quite a. uh, well, we're, we're coming off of quite a serious flu epidemic Definitely. that did sweep through Alberta this year. Um, the, the rule of thumb is, if you are ill, you should stay home. Yeah, don't You should come in. not come into work. You certainly shouldn't go out uh, to a public place like the gym or something. Um, and that is, that is what AHS, Alberta Health Services, has been saying uh, basically all through the last few months, is if you are not well, do not go in absolutely yeah. because you will just spread it around and you'll make things worse for yeah. everybody
0: yeah so i don't know how you guys feel if when you guys get sick let us know send us a tweet tell us do you stay home or do you go to work and continue to fight the good fight
1: now it's also possible that you might go to work because you legitimately hate all of your coworkers and you are trying <laughs> desperately to infect them with whatever you
0: have. Maybe it's a tactic to get fired from some place you don't like working at. Or
1: a tactic to get everybody
0: sick so that you just don't have to go in. Yeah. That'd, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, in those cases, I just hope for a really brutal snow day.
1: <laughs> snow days don't happen in Edmonton generally. No. Circling all the way back around to the weather. <laughs> um, this is... This is something that uh, that came up recently as well.
0: Well, because there's, there were big storms down at Atlanta. And they weren't even big storms.
1: They were big in quotations for Atlanta. By Georgian standards, yeah. But uh, by our standards, it was like uh, an unfortunate day in, in December, hardly a world-stopping event. And like everything shut down. Like there was no postal service. People were being told to hoard water. Like it was just the end of the world. And there were even people trapped
0: on the highway yeah. for, like, a day yeah, in their vehicles because they couldn't move or, or authorities couldn't get to them.
1: Yeah. But this is the stuff that we drive through every, you know, second week in, in December and January. And it is... I cannot remember, even from when I was a little kid, uh, really ever having a snow day. Because it would always be bus service might not be running because the buses might have trouble, but the school is certainly open. Hell yeah. And my parents would drop me off at the door of that school every day and I would end up having to go to school because that's just the way it was. But down in the States, schools shut down. People are told just stay off the roads, huddle up with a loved one, pray for deliverance. (laughs) It's... It's bizarre. It's just this bizarre culture shift.
0: You know, the biggest—I—I I, I agree with you. I don't remember ever experiencing a snow day. If—if—if uh, if, if we did as children, it was because my mom was like, "There's no fucking way I'm driving you kids to school."
1: And you know, in retrospect, there's probably maybe one or two days in there that that did happen,
0: but never an official snow day. And—and and the worst that ever happened uh, when I was at school during one of those one of those kinds of days is. Um, you couldn't go outside for recess. Yeah. Because it was too cold. Oh, yeah. But we were going to teach a class, oh, and yeah. you can play in the gym during recess. And
1: then, irony of ironies, the Chevy Chase movie Snow Day was in fact filmed right here in Edmonton.
0: Yes, and it was one of the worst <laughs> films ever made. <laughs> Second only to Christmas in Wonderland, starring Patrick Swayze. Sadly, Edmonton doesn't have a good track record for
1: movies filmed in the city
0: well i mean we get we get stuff shot in alberta at least and i guess there i don't know if it's fava or there are some organizations that are trying to encourage filmmakers both both of the hollywood variety and not to come and shoot movies here and i I guess some of that stuff is starting to happen
1: well and uh, examples those crappy movies we mentioned start
0: somewhere but there were other ones uh there was um there were a few uh, fuck i can't remember who John Malkovich was in town recently.
1: That is true, and I can't recall what movie he was in town filming. But uh, yeah, you are right; he, but he was, was here. in town filming something.
0: And uh, and I know that down in Calgary, um, the miniseries Klondike, yeah. starring the same dude who plays Rob Stark in Game of Thrones, yep. was actually shot in in near Calgary, um, and their I believe their sets were quite devastated by the flood during the summer. That's sad news. Yeah. So, you know, filmmaking is happening in the province. Yes. And uh,
1: that's actually uh, a good place to end this and a good segue into our guest because Randy is uh, someone who has done acting on film in In Edmonton. Edmonton, And we will talk to him about that coming up in just a minute. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction you need to seek out? The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at digitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878.
0: We should, uh, we should take a moment. We should take a moment.
1: And it is that time. It
0: is that time in the show where we, we like to thank the people who have supported us. Uh, or have just recently started to support us. <laughs> That's uh,
1: true. Starting with our oldest
0: supporter. They're not the oldest, but they've supported us for the longest. For the longest.
1: Yeah. Uh, that would be, of course, Owen Briarley mm. over at Guru Digital Arts College.
0: What a fabulous, fabulous man.
1: It is. I'm, I'm going to change it up. He is the Professor X... Of digital media in Edmonton, yeah, he is a man of vision who's uh running a uh, uh, an academy full of digital media misfits <laughs> who're just trying to make it in the world using their special gifts to better humanity and
0: I'm certain that the faculty at Guru would like to be x men themselves so, it's true so you've got your Wolverines and your rogues and all that stuff uh, working over at Guru Digital arts college teaching. Students all about 2D and 3D animation, video game level design. In fact, their uh, video game class just released a bunch of little video games that they created. If you check out uh, Guru's Facebook page, you can you can see what those are like. And of course, their digital illustration and sequential art program is first rate. Um, and some of you may not know this, but I, I teach professional communications at Guru Digital Arts College to those students.
1: There you go. So... Uh, if you are looking to change your career and you are interested in the digital arts, you can certainly do no better in Edmonton than to check out Guru Digital Arts College. That's uh, gurudigitalarts.com. Yep. And uh, you can also go and check out their digs at the historic Mercer Building downtown. Um, I'm sure if you went up and uh, expressed some interest, they'd show
0: you around and uh, maybe you'll find the place you belong. Yeah.
1: Speaking of places you belong.
0: Mm, If you're hungry, this is definitely a place you should check out. It's called Oodle Noodle. They are our newest sponsor. As Mm. of last
1: episode, the ink finally dried on the contract. Oh, yeah. And we were able to uh, start talking about them, as we had been dying to do for
0: months. Very much Because
1: we are big fans of noodles, Yeah, especially Oodle
0: Noodles. Yeah. If, If you want Oodles of Noodles, and honestly, one of the best um fast food places in the city they've got locations all over Edmonton and in um I believe Leduc and I want to say Spruce Grove but you can uh, just to make sure check out their website oodledoodle.ca. and they also deliver they do which is amazing yes and starting um later on this month we'll actually have oodledoodle gift certificates to give away so keep your eyes on the unknown studios twitter feed We'll be doing most of our giveaways that way. So thank because you. Because we're big fans of the Twitter. We love Twitter. Yeah. it's where we, we might throw one
1: out on Facebook.
0: Yeah. We'll for see. the Facebook people, you know. Yeah, the, those people. <laughs> but huge thanks to Oodle Noodle for their support and, of course, to Guru Digital Arts College. Ask and ye shall receive. That is one of the reasons why we have Randy Brzozowski on the show today. He is the chief rogue and bottle washer at the group of rogues. And we find him to be... Fascinating, very fascinating. Handsome, dashing, pretty ruggedly handsome. Yeah, it's uh, it's the whole ensemble. Uh I wish I wish you could see it out in podcast land. Randy, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me, and thank you for the wonderful build up to my ego. I'm I'm right on top of my game now.
0: Well, we're probably going to spend the next half hour slowly deflating that ego. As long as it's
2: strategic, I'm totally in support of that. We're all about. We are going to peel (laughs) your ego away like layers of a delicious onion. Okay. The onion of my ego.
0: Yes. This and is, at yeah. the end, there will be crying. This so is already perfect. this is already taking a turn, <laughs> and not the way that I had hoped. But anyway, here we are, Randy Brazosky, current actor, is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I do some film, some television, some stage stuff, haven't done stage stuff for a while, but I am in a show. What show are you in? I am in Tale of Two Cities out in Sherwood Park. Uh, it's at Festival Place. It's the end of February, beginning of March. And just to crank up that tension, the uh, award-winning broad- Broadway playwright who wrote this show is coming to see us. What? Yep. It's the Western man. Canadian premiere, and she's coming
0: to see it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, cool. Thank you. So uh, what role are you playing in A Tale of Two Cities? I'm
2: playing Barsad. He is a, uh, a turncoat, a con man, a spy. He's all things interesting in a character. He is, he is a rogue if you will. He is a type of rogue. So
0: were you typecast for this role? <laughs>
2: ah, well, I haven't pulled off any successful cons. Um, doesn't mean I haven't looked into the possibility. Sure. This isn't being recorded, is it? Uh,
0: no. Good.
2: Um, so, uh, yeah. No, I, I, if if you look at my resume, I play drug dealers. Uh, I played a, a Pam for child prostitutes. Uh, I've played murderous cowboys. I've played more drug dealers. It's, uh, you know, my wife is really proud of all these good roles. <laughs> and not- So in a way, you
1: have been typecast
2: as a shady looking guy. I have. I have. Um, of course, I prefer the description uh, you gave me earlier. Less shady, more handsome. But Fair enough. I mean handsome can be shady. I mean shady can be handsome.
0: That's true. <laughs> handsome. In this case, handsome can be shady. There are mm-hmm. there are many
2: prominent actors
1: who have made a living over being ruggedly handsome or devastatingly shady. Shady. I don't know. I'm I, I
0: don't, searching for words now. I don't That's feel awesome. like devastatingly shady is actually a thing. <laughs> but uh, it but
2: if it can be, I'll okay. I'll take that market. I'll corner that. Sure.
0: It's it's all yours. Okay. Whatever you want. So you've also been on in some television productions. You were on a show on Byte TV yes. uh, that was done by, was it, was it Lindsay McNeil that worked on Lindsay that
2: Lindsay McNeil was, was the writer, and uh, it uh, Lindsay McNeil and Tony Binns, I believe, is the other writer that was involved in that. And it was called, uh, still is called, Truck Stop Bloodsuckers. That's right. And uh, we have
1: spoken to Lindsay previously about... Truck stop bloodsuckers. Yeah. So you can go back in the annals of history and hear her take on it. But Randy, what's your take on it? From an actor perspective, my take on yeah. it. From an
2: actor perspective. Um the the approach to try and get it done with the resources and time we had is what a lot of people in the television industry uh technically call crazy.
0: Why is that? What was the what we was had the ten timeline? days
2: to shoot a feature length script? What? Ten days.
0: That's ridiculous. Yes. But you pulled it usually off. Usually,
2: it is pulled it off. Uh, there were some benefits. Um, it was uh, it was one location, and um, technically there were several setups within that location, but we shot uh, the entire thing in a little diner
0: N- nearby Edmonton or in Edmonton? Oh, in Edmonton. Oh, in Edmonton. Oh,
2: okay. Sort of in the northwestern industrial sort of sector, which is fascinating because it means this diner was still open during the day during the week so we had to go when they were closed because it services the industrial area they closed pretty early right right so we were able to get in there at five o'clock six o'clock and shoot all evening and into the night and then get out of there so they could open up the next day for the regular business and then come back the next evening and try and do basically a feature length worth of stuff in 10 days in that space on on the plus side the story takes place at night yes which helps tremendously yes
0: Yes. Yeah, that's that's the value, I guess, of vampires being involved. Mm-hmm. Or one of the values. Yes. For there are many.
2: There are many. No one sparkled.
1: Oh thank goodness. Oh yeah. Now, uh you also have
2: done voice acting. I have. I have. It's been a little while, but uh I've done voice acting in some uh cartoons that you've never heard of and <laughs> video games that you might have played.
0: Like uh can you tell us what games we might have played that would have been? Um you voice?
2: Mega Man Maverick Hunter.
0: Oh, I have not played that, Scott. I believe Scott X. is actually X. Mega Man, Man Maverick, Maverick Hunter, Hunter X. X. Oh, okay. For Scott those of you
1: listening at home, it is a remake of Mega Man X for the Super Nintendo, which was released for the PlayStation handheld system, the one before the Vita.
0: PSP. The PSP. Yes, that's the one. Wow. How did you? How do you score those kinds of gigs? Is it? Is it about knowing the right people or just knocking on the right doors?
2: It's. Uh, if there was a manual that says how do you get these things, uh, I would publish it and make a lot of money. <laughs> um, it's a combination of all those things. You have to you have to work, you have to hustle, you have to knock on some doors. Uh, getting an agent helps, but hmm. but the um, the agent isn't all of it, right? You you still have to do a lot of your own work, build your own um, publicity and and your own promotional materials and and. Show up where there's opportunities and get to know people. And in some respects, it's much like the startup industry in Edmonton in that you've got to show up and get to know people and get yourself known.
0: Yeah, that's seventy percent of the job, or something. Exactly. The other thirty percent is tremendously difficult, though. (laughs)
2: it is. It's like actual work, you know, at a desk or whatever. It's unsavory. Absolutely.
0: Now, obviously, acting is not the only thing that you're doing.
2: No, because I can actually afford food and clothing. So, obviously, it's not the only thing I'm doing.
0: Now, you started group of rogues. It's a yeah. sort of a marketing collective. Is that fair to say?
2: That is is fair to say, yeah.
0: And th- that was started a couple years ago.
2: We're at about three years old now. Three and change. Congratulations. Thank you very much.
0: And what was the other than wanting to eat, uh, uh-huh. which is a very compelling reason to do just about anything. Absolutely. Um, what was it that that made you think, I wanna start a, a marketing company?
2: Well, having tried to start a career in acting, the thing they don't tell you when you're in acting school is that your best opportunities are gonna be the ones you make for yourself. Right. So it wasn't long after acting school that I said, well, if I keep waiting for someone to cast me in a lead role in a Broadway musical while I'm sitting here in Edmonton, I'm <laughs> not gonna be eating at all. So I started producing my own things. And since I was you know, fabulously independently wealthy, or not. Um, I couldn't hire a marketing agency. I couldn't hire a designer. I couldn't hire promotions. I had to learn it all myself. Yeah. I mean, the benefit is you get to create your own shows and come up with good roles that you think you can do. And, and then the critics let you know whether you were right or not. (laughs) Um, But it all lands in your hands. So basically, and especially as, as any actor will tell you, you are your own business. So, anyone who's done a one person startup knows the life of a good actor. The one difference is a one person startup it might be a tech startup, so it's software or an app or something. An actor, the product is you. So, you are the CEO and the accounts payable and receivable and the research department and the janitor and the tax person. You're everything. So. Going through that process and trying to do my own design for these things, I wasn't just simple satisfied with the, oh, let's just put a picture of myself up with my name on it and say, people come buy tickets, because strangely, that doesn't work.
0: If only it did. If only it did. More people would go to the theater. Exactly. And watch Byte TV and other shows.
2: Yeah. So that evolution led me, and that and a, another little tangential story where I was street performing, I made the crazy mistake of saying, hey, street performing would be fun, and I like Improv. Let's try improv street performing. I can hear people in podcast land... um, Gasping? Cringing, saying, what are you, new? And I certainly was at that point.
0: (laughs) How the hell do you start... How do you even begin to do a street performance that's all improv? You you have to have some kind of framework, right?
2: Yeah. We had games taken from theater sports. Right. That was our framework.
0: Okay. The rest we (laughs) built
2: as we went along, which means... Especially when we were new at it, sometimes we, we, just, we just plugged into something. We plugged into something that was going on with the audience, we connected with them, and we were on fire. Right. And then we'd get really cocky about that. And the next time we'd walk out to the next audience and we thought we were on fire, but they were all new and they hadn't been there when we plugged in. <laughs> and we sucked and sucked hard. So lesson one there, which is translated into my, my business life and my marketing and consulting life, is you have to earn every audience every time you can never rest on your laurels right yeah so that was part of my my marketing school that wasn't at a marketing school the other thing that really caught me is i still remember doing this one performance and we had a pretty good crowd and we were doing something that was technically tricky but but we were nailing it we were just we we had it and we were we were We were hitting all the notes and and the marks, and and we were doing really well, and people in the crowd were really excited, and then two people as close as you are to me now, which for those of you who can't see that is about three and a half feet, got up, bored, and walked away.
0: Oh... Oh, that must have been like deflating a balloon.
2: It kind of was, because we, uh, uh, and we lost our edge.
0: No!
2: And by the time that scene was done, we would probably lost about a third of the crowd. Not because what we were doing was bad, because we let that throw us, and we lost our confidence, and it kind of went south from there. But the important lesson there was that it, we thought we were doing this really well, and we'd worked really hard in this one game, and we were really nailing it. It doesn't matter how much you like what you do or how much effort you've put into it. If the person on the other side of the stage or the radio or wherever <laughs> doesn't care, they're not sticking around. Yeah. And so you have to stop looking at what you do from your point of view, and you have to look at it from the audience. And that's kind of the core of marketing your business. Um, I wanna, I, and if anyone wants to send this in, and you guys can forward it to me, I want a picture of an ugly baby. Because ugly babies exist, Yes, they do. They do. I
0: I could actually find a few for you. Okay, good. That'd be great. Okay.
2: Uh, Because um, you could actually quantifiably say, ah, that's an ugly baby. But there will be two people who disagree with you. Baby's parents. Yeah. And we all look at our own businesses that same way. Your baby might be ugly, but mine is the most beautiful thing ever. My little business, my little baby, my little whatever. And I want to be able to show people that so that they can understand that You look at your company differently than anyone else ever will. You care about it more than anyone else ever will. You see it in a completely different way and from different angles, and you see the diapers. Hopefully, the people don't see the diapers, right?
0: Yeah.
2: So that people can understand, oh, the outside and the inside are two different things, and that's what we do as marketers, right?
1: Which is interesting because uh, a lot of people would argue that they are their own worst critic. So they would approach something that they've invested time and effort into and say, well, mine is obviously the ugly baby compared to all of these other babies. I see all of these successful, like even from a startup standpoint, I see all these other successful businesses who seem to be doing just fine and I'm struggling day to day to make this work. What am I doing wrong Mm -hmm. that they're not doing wrong when maybe they are having the same problems you are?
2: Absolutely. They're
1: just... Maybe better at hiding it, or are just as good as hiding it as you are, and you don't realize that they are looking at you, going, "Oh, what is he doing that I'm not doing? What am I
2: doing wrong?" Exactly. I
0: think that uh, I think you're right. I think that I think that business owners or, or people who are selling a product will say that they're their own worst critics, but when you present them with evidence that um, um, confirms that <laughs> yes. that not only do they believe their baby is ugly, but other people do as well. That cognitive, cognitive dissonance thing kicks in. And, and in my experience in marketing, mm-hmm. they want to sometimes continue doing the same thing, but they're expecting a different result. It, it's insane.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, but it's, it's like... the clinical definition of insanity, it's, yeah, in fact.
0: It's the thing you have to fight through to eventually convince a client to do something different, interesting, impactful, mm-hmm. all those things.
2: Well, they, they, the client has a lens that they're seeing everything through that no one else does and I think that's why the clients like you mentioned Scott were like I'm my own worst critic this is all terrible they might be looking at the wrong things they might say this is really bad and this is challenging my business and they don't realize that every other startup around them has the exact same problem and that's not what the problem is so they focus on things the wrong way because they're wearing that lens Hmm.
0: so um While you're doing the marketing thing, you're, Mm -hmm. you're doing the acting thing. You're doing all these things. You are a Renaissance man. It's true. Thank you. I look great in a puffy shirt. (laughs) Where are you spending most of your time? Is it evenly split across the board? I mean, right now you're working on a show. Mm -hmm. So, so does the marketing gig count as the day job? Pretty much.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I tell people that marketing is what I use to feed my acting habit. Um, (laughs) Because they they balance off each other. The nice thing about having a small shop and being the guy in charge is that if I get a day on a TV show, I can juggle things around so that I can get that day off. I talk to my boss. He's a bit of a prick. (laughs) But um, I usually navigate and negotiate that day to you
0: figured out how to manipulate him. I kind of know him pretty well. Yeah, 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 I think so.
2: I mean, he pays me as well as he can, so (laughs) that's good. But he doesn't do anything. Oh. He He always expects me to do it
0: all. Yeah. He sounds, he sounds like a pain in the ass. He's a bit of a (laughs) jerk. Sure. Now I want to go back to the street performing thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and we, I also want to talk about, uh, Yegprov because both of you guys are involved in Mm -hmm. that. Yep. And, uh, And I think that's been pretty successful. But, but before we get to that, I'd like to talk about, um, your fire eating habit.
2: Fire breathing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. There's a, there's a fundamental difference between fire breathing and fire eating. So
0: can you explain that difference?
2: Well, one, the fire goes away from you. (laughs) And that's why I like fire breathing because fire eating is putting it in your mouth. And that just doesn't make sense.
0: Now, when people do that, putting it in their (laughs) mouth, Mm -hmm. is there anything in their mouth to protect them or is it all just mouth moisture? (laughs) <laughs> and that is probably not that a technical term.
2: Not a technical term, but it needs to be on a shirt. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> Gross.
2: The, yeah, thanks for the image. Yeah, and I just thought that. I'd amp it up a little. <laughs> yep. um, there are a number of ways. I'm, I'm only so versed in fire eating. Uh, a lot of it depends on what kind of fuel you're using. Um, I've seen people use uh, fuel that has a very low flash point, which means it lights very easily, and they'll do transfers. So they'll put a little fire on their tongue, and then they'll take an unlit wick and light that wick with it, and then they'll close their mouth. And, I mean, the basic thing is you close your mouth, no oxygen, fire goes out. Right. But it depends how hot the fire was in the first place, oh. how long it was in your mouth. Um,
0: this already sounds like a terrible idea.
2: Uh, and I did, it's why I've never done I did it once. I got sort of pimped into it. Uh, another street performer, Daniel Craig from Winnipeg, who I've known for years, we were doing sort of a pickup show. And we thought we combine our skills. And so he does this skill where he gets someone to lie down on a bench and he juggles flame over them. Yeah. And walks over them. And I was sitting there with fuel in my mouth. So he got to a point, held out one torch, and I blew this gout of flame above him, which looked really cool. And I was like, ah, it was fun. And a few minutes later in the show, he said, all right, let's put out these torches with our mouths. And I'm like, I've actually never done this. Oh, dear. So it didn't taste like burnt chicken. It tasted like burnt Randy. Um, <laughs> I knew how it was supposed to work and was able to do it, but it took me two or three tries, <laughs> oh my. which means each time it got a little hotter, my mouth got a little drier and Uh-oh. it got a little harder to pull off. So yeah, I don't do fire eating.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Now tell me about how you guys came up with the idea for Yegprov. Cause it was something that I remember hearing rapid fire talking about doing. Um,
2: they actually did a, a Twitter improv show. Right. And, and Paul, who's, who's one of the one of egg provers, and um, he and I have done improv for years. He was one of the wombats who I did the street performing improv with. Um, he went and saw it and saw there's some pros and there's some cons and there's some neat ideas. But the, the core of it wasn't quite. And the story actually you. does go back a little before that because what Paul else? had the idea to do
1: um, a social media involved improv show. Mm-hmm using Twitter mm-hmm. before Rapid Fire did there. That's right. But it wasn't like they stole the idea. Oh, no, no, no. It no, was no, no, no. just they Great also Minds came up thinking alike. It's yeah, just yeah. around the same time they had a similar idea. So he, because his was still gestating because he was planning to do it for Fringe, he went and observed their show. to yes. see kind of conceptually how it might fit together, nice. basically using them as a trial run Yeah. and saw kind of what worked and what didn't and then Incorporated that into what we would eventually roll out with Yegprov at the Fringe,
0: mm-hmm. and it seems like it's been really popular. I mean, do you guys are they typically more often than not sellouts?
2: The attendance is a little all over the map. One of the one of the reasons for that is our venue is one of the farthest walking distance venues from the grounds. But it's while really, still being a walk. It's distance, still being walking right. distance. Yeah, it's, though, we're yeah.
0: talking about something that's a less than a ten minute walk, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah! yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
2: The, the challenge is if you walk into an Edmonton Fringe and say, grab a program and say, I want to see an improv show, you've got at least 10 on any given uh, year that you can see. Yeah. So people who've seen Yegprov go, oh, I get it. It's different. It's got its own feel. Once you've been there, you get it. Sure. But if you're just saying, hmm, let's go see an improv show. I hear improv's funny. What's out there? There's, I mean, there's a lot of improv in Edmonton. There's some really good improv in Edmonton. Yep. There's some not good improv in Edmonton. Yes, it's you've got the whole swath—the yeah. good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, so, I would say our slow nights are based on competition, but our good nights are based on on our reputation and yeah. the fact that that we do have a bit of a unique interaction with the audience and the way we do the interplay between live and social media.
0: Well, and I think you guys have have you you figured it out. Like, it doesn't slow the show down. You're, you're sort of asking for audience suggestions via Twitter in advance for the next game. Yes. It's and you've got people there to manage the communication with people on social media. So so it feels pretty seamless and and I've always enjoyed watching you guys play. So oh, so it's a but, lot of fun.
2: That seamlessness took a bit of work
1: to get to. Yes. And but it it has worked out. And yeah. of course Yegprov is the best of my knowledge, slated to go again this year. Yes, cool. uh, yes Paul handed off the reins to uh, someone else, but uh, things are going ahead full bore. Is I he
0: really it. busy with the yo-yo business?
1: He's really busy with everything. Yeah, yeah. Paul is a man who's constantly got a new project on the go.
2: He is the <laughs> ultimate slash person. If he, and and I. Don't well, know if I uh, want to explain that or just leave it hanging for a minute.
0: Before the uh, show started, we talked about what Randy does, and he said he was an actor slash something slash something.
2: Yes, actor slash marketer slash writer. Yeah. Um, Paul slashes is slashes like no one else. Paul has got more words and slashes than anybody I ever know. And as soon as he gets bored with one, he strikes one word and adds in two more. So he gets busy <laughs> fast. Fair enough.
0: So you guys are, are you both going to be involved at the Fringe this year if time permits? If time permits, time permits absolutely. absolutely. That's always the uh, that's always the key. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things I just want to move on to another topic mm-hmm. is um, you've got you've got your group of R- rogues blog, and if anyone's interested in checking out some of that <laughs> stuff, go to groupofrogues.com. But you've also got the uh, Brazoska blog. Yes. Your personal blog. Well, you, yep. You're not always there blogging, but oh,
2: I, I have busy runs, and I have gaps as do just, we all i just closed a big gap with my most recent post
0: it's true and your your most recent post is titled it's cool not to or it's sorry cool. it's cool to hate yes and it's basically just that you talk about how cool it is to hate on stuff or how that seems to be a trend
2: yeah i mean it it's you get your uh, younger rebellious people who walk out of high school and go i hate everything and they define themselves by that hatred and they go ah yeah And that's a phase that I think we should all go through. But I think it's a phase that not enough of us have left behind. Sure. I think many topics, uh, the Talus Dome, the Light light Up the Bridge, both of which I mentioned in this blog, um, have, have got legitimate things that we, in order to make Edmonton better, need to talk about. There's some really discussable points in all of these things. But far too often you hear people go, I hate it, it sucks. And strangely bad attitude leaves us stagnant
0: and there's no proposed solution to that yeah, exactly right? yeah so it was neat to see you confront this head on particularly in the context of light up the bridge which mm-hmm. uh, recently came under fire uh, mm-hmm. Fish Krakowski wrote a column at the journal about how basically lighting up the high level bridge is a lousy idea yep. which I don't agree with I mean I, uh, neither do I tech, it's an engineering marvel sure it looks kind of cool I guess but it's a black hole and mm-hmm. people walk across it And drive across it. And I think that adding some kind of um, lighting system to it during the nights would make it feel like a more inviting thing to walk across or to drive across.
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh, There is unanimous agreement on this particular podcast that there should be lights on the high level bridge. Yeah. It's a big panel. But uh we're we all in agreement. <laughs> three out of three people on the unknown studio agree <laughs> there should be lights the, on the high level. This is bridge. important.
0: I mean I and the, the, the chief complaint was that it would look gaudy. It would make us look like uh, Las the bridge Vegas. already looks gaudy. Like it's it's an eyesore. It does.
1: Like I'm I'm not denying that it's an iconic piece of Edmonton's history and it should never be removed, but it is an eyesore and it would look better with a little bit of light on it.
2: And I think this is sort of the point of my blog. I think that some people like the idea, some people don't, as their personal aesthetic taste. And that's never going to change. Sure. Is it art? Is it not art? That's a conversation that's been going on for thousands of years. We won't solve it tomorrow. We sure as heck won't solve, is it good art tomorrow? Right. So I think if if we want any level of culture in our city, we have to take those risks. We have to be willing to fail. But I think the discussion should be, like, with the Talus Dome, I think... I I did some reading about it before I did the blog, and I realized what it's based on. And what it's based on is little moraines that build up in the ends of river valleys that look like just little piles of rocks. Yeah. That, that strangely, how did this appear here? It's a natural occurring thing. So, conceptually, it's kind of neat. Personally, my aesthetic sense, I think the Talus Dome is neat and would be better in a smaller area like downtown, the scale of the Talis Dome, the scale of the Quinell Bridge don't match up. And that's my biggest problem with it. And I have no problem saying that, but I say that's my problem with it. I don't say objectively that it sucks. Yeah. yeah because yeah. I can't say objectively that it sucks.
0: I agree with you. I think scale and speed are factors when mm-hmm. it comes to appreciating the Talis Dome. And I think as a reflective object, it would do much better in, say, the middle of Churchill Square. Right.
2: The land of reflective things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, why not? Magpies yeah. can all flock there now. <laughs> yes. But I agree with you. I think that, um, I think too often we say what we hate without proposing an alternative. Yes. And, and, and I mean, I was the same way. When I was in my early 20s, I could not get out of Edmonton fast enough. Mm-hmm. I wound up sticking around, wound up finding the things that I loved about it. And mm-hmm. those are the things that I tend to focus on now. Sure. So I Absolutely. Know
2: and and those things are there everywhere you go. I mean, if you have if you live in a lousy stinking city, I guarantee you wherever you move, you'll find another one. Right?
0: Yeah. Cuz sure.
2: it's it's a lot of it's about attitude. But there's always in all these things there's these discussions like with the talestome, it's ba- if you do the research, you understand what it's made for, but should public art that's funded as part of a city initiative need to be researched to be understood? there's a question that's worth discussing. I'd yeah. love to discuss it on both sides, and I think that's valid. It sucks.
0: Not valid. So unanimously light up the bridge mm-hmm. and unanimously don't just say that it sucks. Pretty much. Yeah. I, or, think uh, I think we're all on board there. Yeah, yeah. That works for me. Saying it sucks, sucks. Yeah.
2: I hate people who say it sucks. I
0: hate them too. I wish they'd all leave. I that's loved your
2: comment point. on my blog. I hate this blog. I hate it when you write. right.
0: <laughs> I couldn't, you know, it was such a, it was such a interesting, um, it was just such an interesting perspective. I don't think that people, I think a lot of people feel this way. I think they feel that too often people shit on everything, but no one's actually come out and said it uh, Mm -hmm. in quite the way that you have. And so I I had to comment. I hate when, I hate when you're right. (laughs) That's what I said to Randy.
2: Yeah, and and you said that to me many times. So
0: I I, I don't believe that that is true, but <laughs>
2: but sure. I've felt like you said it many times. Maybe that's all my revisionist history. Yeah, yeah.
0: S- fair enough. Fair enough.
2: Um, on that
1: note, I see Adam is starting to look at the clock. He's getting a little twitchy. It might be time for his favorite part of the show. Ooh, the Fast Fifteen.
0: It's true. It is my Fast favorite 50. part of the show. No, 15.
2: 15. Thank God. I don't think I have time for 15. Yeah, I don't
0: think any of us does. I don't think any of our listeners do either. But, <laughs> but if you've listened to the show before, Randy, and I know you have. Of
2: course, many, 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 many
0: times. The Fast 15 is a set of 15 questions. The first 13 we ask the same ones of all our guests, and the last two are tailored to you, my friend. Ooh. And it's just an opportunity for our audience to get to know you, um, to get to like you, mm-hmm. and to get to understand how you deal with pressure intimately intimate pressure pressure. no No, intimately uh, understand yes intimate pressure is different yes it's a thing that in the last two questions (laughs) no don't worry about (laughs) okay all right here we go the fast 15 with randy brzoski number one your favorite food
2: favorite food oh ice cream vanilla
0: (gasps) i'm just weak (laughs) your favorite color blue uh mac pc or linux uh
2: i'm a mac pc hybrid
0: Really? Yep. Pets. I hate them both equally. <laughs> oh, that's that's fair. Maybe you should try Linux. I think I should. Yeah. Uh, dogs or cats?
2: Hybrid again, both.
0: Yeah? Do you guys yeah. have pets? We have cats. Okay.
2: Uh, not uh, Dogs and cats? Yes, like them both. Own them both at the same
0: time? That's a totally different conversation. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite holiday? Halloween. Your favorite sport?
2: Oh um theater sports nicely Ah, done there we go
0: that's a first that's for sure definitely uh your favorite pastime
2: restaurants going out having a meal having a glass of wine and talking about stuff
0: awesome Mm -hmm. we should have brought wine and food next time next time your favorite music right now
2: right now Oh, uh, the, the songs from Tale of Two Cities that I have to learn, because it is a <laughs> musical, so I'm listening to them a lot.
0: Well, there you go. I'm sure that your wife appreciates
2: that. Mm, she's not sick of it at all yet.
0: <laughs> your favorite movie right now?
2: Favorite movie? Lord of the Rings.
0: Any one of the three, or just all three? Kind together? of the
2: whole big, swathy epic. They count as one movie, let's be fair. One yeah. day-long One long movie. 12-hour movie, yeah.
0: Fair enough. Your, your favorite video game?
2: Uh, Borderlands 2.
0: Ooh! Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be?
2: Oh, only one—that's what I hate about this question. <laughs> I think it would be flight.
0: Mine too. I'd fly everywhere.
1: Three out of three people on this podcast agree that <laughs> flight is the best, most useful superpower. Uh,
0: henceforth, we shall be known as the Agreeable Trio. <laughs> You're right on. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, oh, that's making cruel. him pick between his children. <laughs> He gave birth to Star Wars and Star Trek? Yeah, Yeah, I did. Oh, gross. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it was messy. (laughs) Um, I want
0: to say Star Wars,
2: but only if we can pretend the newest three movies didn't exist.
0: I'm pretty sure that our last guest said something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, we can pretend. I'm okay Okay. with
2: that. Um, Of those three movies, we can take the lightsaber fight with Darth Maul. And cut everything else. Sure.
0: Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. I love revising history. Yep. Now we're on to our wild card questions. Mm. What's your favorite thing about Edmonton? My
2: favorite thing about Edmonton You can you, is that you can. It's possible. Whatever you're trying to do, it's possible. And there are people who will help you do it.
0: That's very true. In fact, that's what President Obama meant in his Yes You Can speech. He, he was, was talking, talking about, about it. Edmonton. It's true. And your last wild card question What has been one of the most interesting marketing challenges you've worked on in the last, say, year? Oh. And I'm sure there are lots.
2: There are lots. I'm going to say Winter City Yegg.
0: Okay. What the was? Winter
2: City social media campaign, because we started in the spring, and all we started doing was just trying to build critical mass. It's kind of strange to do a Winter City campaign starting in March. When no one wants to think about winter. Exactly. When people are tired of winter. It worked out well, because we were able to build critical mass, leave it for the summer, and then start again in the fall with people. But in the spring, we had a lot of negative commentary. Really? Right. Well... You, there's no homeless problem in this city. There's no problem with, uh, with uh, troubled youth, um, drugs. These aren't the problems that are important to Edmontonians. Snow removal is the most important thing to Edmontonians, yes. according to our experience in the first chunk of this, of this campaign. But there is a lot of passion about Edmonton that you need to tap into and to channel it and to say it's possible to embrace this. So trying to channel that, to acknowledge the people who have problems with snow removal, because we don't have it perfect. Yeah. But to say, here's where we're trying to go and get people on side. And now the community is at over 10,000 people on Facebook. And I think we've had four negative comments in the last five months.
0: That's fantastic.
2: So tapping into the, yes, we can, and it's positive and a perception change as opposed to the no we can't snow is stupid why are you doing this marketing campaign you can't brand the city as a winter city this is dumb this is stupid i hate this
0: <laughs> let's focus on lighting up that bridge instead exactly randy it's been a delight it it felt like our time just blazed past
2: it did it did and i don't feel like you've stripped me down nearly as much emotionally as you were promising to
0: well we'll save that for the b-roll Brilliant. Or or for next time. Or for or next, for next time. time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you online?
2: People can find me at randybrzowski.com. It's an about me page and that takes to people to the Group of Rogues page and the Berzowski blog and my grossly underused Instagram account and, and
0: things like that. We we have that linked on the unknownstudio.ca, so go go find out more about Randy. Give him the proper dressing down that he so richly deserves <laughs> and desires.
2: Can't wait. Thank you
1: again. Thank you. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, Episode 94. Our guest, Randy Brzozki. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.
0: So, can I get normal voice talking?
2: Normal voice talking.
0: Randy, normal voice talking. This is
2: me talking in my normal voice.
0: This is me talking in my inside voice. Okay. Hi, guys. (laughs) You see when that red light goes on, Scott? That means it's too bad. That means it's too
1: bad.